and we're back with the conversation collection. Now this is my conversation with Nathan Vincent. Now Nathan is currently on the social strategy team at BuzzFeed. The two of us met during my year as a NBC page. Uh, Nathan was on the West Coast in LA and I was on the East Coast in New York, but we worked on the same team, got to know one another, and I immediately knew that I wanted to have him as part of this project. Nathan is a culture, music, commentator, writer, host, storyteller, social media king. I can like hear him laughing at me doing this intro right now though. He hates compliments and you'll hear that very soon. But he's awesome. He anytime he tweets, it blows up. Anytime he writes something, it blows up. He's got so many opinions on so many different niche topics that I absolutely needed to pick his brain about during the course of this conversation. So this is a bit of a longer one, but if you love pop culture, music, all of that, this is the conversation for you. We get to cover a lot of ground in this one. We, we talk about his experience at an HBCU and how that changed his life and was absolutely formative for him. We talk about the power of music and how music got us through this year and, and both of our journeys and discovering our love for music and musicians and, and what that means to us in our lives. We talk about corporations kind of really digging deep into the diversity and inclusion conversation over the past year and what changes we have seen and what changes we would still like to see. Uh, we talk about recruitment and how that's the key, honestly, to diversify and inclusion. Because if you want to diversify and include, you got to diversify and include. It's as simple as that. So we also talk about music. We seriously have the best discussion about the Grammys, about Brandy, Jasmine Sullivan, Mariah Carey, Beyonce. Uh, we talk about sneaker night. If you don't know what that is, keep listening because truly, I can't, to this day, this conversation was reported months and months and months ago. To this day, I cannot listen to it without cracking up when we start talking about Sneaker Night. You're going to learn a thing or two about the most iconic song of all time. Uh, so we talk about all of that and more, and I'm just so glad that he's a part of this project. I'm so impressed by all of the work that he has done since the program, and, and he's going to continue to skyrocket into the stratosphere and keep doing incredible work. And once you listen to this conversation, you'll understand why. So this is my conversation with Nathan Vincent. We are here with the Nathan Vincent. (laughs) (laughs) Not the, The, the Nathan Vincent. Nathan and I met, like I just said, this past year through the PAGE program. And... I wanted to talk to you. You are just one of those people. I admire the work you do. I admire your encyclopedic knowledge of music and <laughs> pop culture and like these these really like niche topics that I just love that because you don't run into that all the time. And I feel like constantly I'm on your Twitter and I'm seeing what you're saying. And I'm like, yes, exactly. Finally, someone that <laughs> understands. <laughs> like finally, I've got literally like a bullet list here. 
in my notes of topics that I saw you either tweet about, discuss, that I want to pick your brain about. <laughs> because... Uh, no, there's, you do not. Yes, I do. Because there's some things that I agree wholeheartedly. There's some things that I feel like we disagree, and that'll be interesting too. So. OMG, see, here you go, Dave. <laughs> but I wanted to start off with this. Give me just the LinkedIn bio. Give anybody listening, who are you? What's the deal? I'm screaming, not the LinkedIn bio. <laughs> okay, so my name is Nathan Vinson, but most people these days call me Nate. I'm originally from Tallahassee, Florida. Um, all of my family is from the Miami area. So I spent all of my birthdays, all of my Christmases, Fourth of July's, sometimes summers down there. Okay, 305. Um, 305, yeah, right? right? Yes, 305, period, Dade County, get into it. <laughs> um, I also went to school in my hometown, um, Florida Agricultural Mechanical University. It is, a, it is an historically black college slash university, one of the bigger ones and definitely top five when you consider all 120 of them. Mm -hmm. um, I have just, what have I done? I've done a lot. I yeah. have done a lot. Oh, don't worry. I did, I did my research. I'm screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already screaming. And we're like seven minutes in. Um, yeah, you would. Honestly, like, I suck at bios because just like, what do you want to know? Like, There's a lot there. <laughs> um, but essentially, my first love was reading. My second love was writing. I wanted to be a grade school teacher until like the 11th grade. I had an English teacher that told me I should consider being a writer. And so then I decided to pursue journalism. I got a full ride to FAMU and I enrolled in the broadcast journalism program. And I've done everything from radio to uh, copy editing, magazine writing, newspaper writing, um, social media, content yes, creator. It's, it's a lot. Oh, we know about social media. We know. Do we know? <laughs> we know because every time you literally, you could tweet, you could quote tweet something and just write yes, and it'll get 300 retweets and 4,000 likes. Like that's just you. <laughs> so what's the secret? In 2021, I'm really working on trying to receive compliments. So to that, I <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I got really good advice about that from Hoda Copy. She said, if you feel uncomfortable with compliments and you need to get over that, when somebody gives you a compliment, just say, I received that. And I do. That's I it. Really, and I was I like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I might make that my mantra for 2021. Honestly. I'm terrible at accepting compliments. It's weird because I'm generally on the more outgoing side, but like when I can like feel attention on me, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, it's a very really? peculiar situation. Yes, like, like, I, uh, I wanted to be like an on-camera host probably when I first started journalism, but I don't know, like, when I heard producers can make good money, that was fine with me. And then <laughs> me, um, kind of like being the person behind the narrative has always been more important than me getting my particular shine, if you will. Mm. Like, if I wanted to be in front of the camera, I would want it to be an Andy Cohen kind of come up. You know, right. he started off, actually, was, um, at CBS News, was on the news desk, is where he started his career. But he was producing, you know, for Bravo. 
And he was so invested in this housewife franchise that he helped create. They were like, there's nobody else at the union we would pick to host, like, but you, why don't you give it a try? And then that's how Andy Cohen, the host, yeah. was born. So that is kind of like the organic kind of way I would want to be on camera if it were to happen. But I'm completely fine with that not ever happening. But you did, you did radio, right, in college? I did. Loved radio. Do you think... I did a little bit of radio too in college and, and mm-hmm. like do you think that with radio sometimes I would feel when I was sitting there and, and just talking whatever I think it's so comfortable because like you said it, it feels like no attention's on you you forget that this is broadcasting to people and that yes. people are listening it's just you there with a microphone in the room absolutely and because you know I love music like it's such like a part of me I guess like you know? It was just so effortless. Like I had like four or five different shows on the radio at different points. <laughs> okay, that's how much I loved it. Well, you are speaking of things you love. You rep mm-hmm. your alma mater hard. Very like, much. You love it. Can you tell yes. me about what you love about it? How did it shape you? For sure. So I can definitely tell you that, like growing up, I have either been the token black or I have been like the only black guy in my classes you know when you start we take like honors and ap classes a lot of times you know they mm-hmm. see yourself in another classmate a lot of times like there may be like a general like good amount of black people but they would all be black women or mostly black women so mm-hmm. like me and my other guy or like just me slash myself um and so Truthfully, like when I was looking at colleges, I was just looking for someone who gave me some money to go and family was the <laughs> first person to give me a full ride. And I was like, well, that settles it. I'm going to VMU. <laughs> but what I, uh, well, that was actually like the best decision ever because what I got out of that, um, going to an historical black college, um, you just learn about like where you've come from. So you know about where you are and you can you know, help shape where you're going, if you will. Um, essentially, like, I could walk into any corporate setting or any setting that, you know, I may be the only person, you know, color, the person that looks like me, and I would never feel, like, inferior ever again. I would never feel, like, the weight of even imposter syndrome. Like, going to fam, you definitely helped me shake that. Um, just being in classes with people that literally look like you, like, every single class, having friends, going to the calf. It's a very enriching experience and one that I did not know that I needed until I had it. So family was like the best, like, oh, look at this kind of decision that I've mm-hmm. And I would always encourage any black person to at least consider an historically black college. It's not quote unquote for everybody. Like, I don't think everybody needs that experience, but I definitely needed it. And I feel like a lot of others that look like me could definitely use it for sure. And that's the, those are the best experience, I think, in life is the ones that just kind of fall into your lap. Absolutely. <laughs> just, it was not planned. You were not gunning for something specific, but it shaped you and it was Absolutely. invaluable. For sure. That's how I know it was, you know, divine order, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so after that, right, you go to college, you graduate from college, had a great experience. Mm-hmm. I found when I graduated from college, I went through a period of like, I don't know if you want to call it an identity crisis or just a, a like, whoa, I'm no longer a student. That's such a big part of your identity for 18 years. Literally. That when you get kind of spit out on the other side of that, 
especially if you don't land a job right away or don't necessarily know exactly what you want to do. Yeah. I was like spinning in those months after college. How was the months after college for you? And then how did you end up at the PAGE program, which is where we met? At the interview stage, I was definitely one of the last classes that interviewed in person. Um, right. Like you definitely were probably like the last one. That yeah, it was the last one. And, you know, I spent my little hard-earned money to catch that flight from Florida. Listen. To Listen. Uh. They had a, <laughs> these weekend trips to go do these interviews. Oh, my God. The amount of money I shelled out. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Definitely not used to that. And I was just like, okay, well, if I'm going to, like, fly myself out here, I'm going to make this worth my while just in case I don't get in. Yeah. So before I even left for my interview, I set up eight informationals to go on of course you did and i did all eight of them in two days and then the third day i did the interview and went right back to lx to get home by nightfall that friday so i came in like wednesday morning and literally i went from the airport to fox studios <laughs> <laughs> in my airport clothes for my very first interview and actually had two of them there it was someone that worked in social it was two people that worked in social for fox sports um, and then like over the next that Wednesday and Thursday, I literally did eight informationals. Mind you, part of the process was, you know, giving a speech and you get your prompt two days before uh-huh. your interview. So simultaneously me prepping for my speech, I was also in Ubers for these informationals. It was a lot of information I was holding on to. But I was just like, you know, if I don't get in the page program, at least I can establish some connections. Yep. Um, and, you know, I got in the program, thankfully, but it was also cool to come to LA with a few connections established. And one happened to be NBC, and that was great. So that is how I got into the PAGE program, essentially. That's a little so, speech, that's, a lot yeah, that's so <laughs> you. That's so you to have informationals lined up on your interview weekend. Yeah, that's how I get down. <laughs> right. That's because a lot of times when we find ourselves in these positions that are, you know, very, in these programs that are very prestigious and mm-hmm. a lot of people want this position like clearly um and they're like oh my god that's, that's so lucky like there's a lot of luck involved i'm sure mm-hmm. right which there is however just like you said there's a lot of work that goes into that too and For i think sure. opportunity right there is like when opportunity and luck meet yes that, that is ex- so they that, say. Yeah, that's success because you need to be prepared for those lucky moments. Absolutely. Like you, you, you can't arrive at the lucky moment unprepared. But that's kind of how I've approached this entire year and, and the time in the program. And mm-hmm. so you now, you've graduated from the program. I have. You were kicked off the slack. Listen, <laughs> literally not even 24 hours later. And it's like, I never worked in NBC. It's crazy. When I was sending you the link for today's call, I wanted to send it to your NBC. And <laughs> it is defunct. Like, I, <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's no longer in the system. Literally no longer in the system. It's crazy because like, <laughs> they're about to like unlock my account because when I shipped my laptop back, I had to spend my own coin tissue back in the laptop box and I was like Michaela can I get reimbursed <laughs> so they're gonna like reopen my account so I can submit an expense report <laughs> one last my- gift yeah I want my money so I was like <laughs> first child and I think that's I think that is simpler than like 
them like trying to get my bank's information and all willy nilly. So. They just want it to be quick and easy, quick and easy. So unlock. And my I ask, do I? Period. <laughs> we are all on the same page. So yes, I'd like run me my coin, please. Thank you. Well. One of the things I do admire about you a lot is that you you come into spaces, right? And you work mm-hmm. to make them better for the next person behind you that is going to be coming into them as well. That, that's mm-hmm. important to you. And you work actively to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you like to make spaces better for the people coming after you, which I so admire. You put that to practice in your time as a page. And Absolutely. was so honored to watch you give an awesome presentation to all the leadership of the program yeah <laughs> you know about recruitment efforts and diversity and inclusion within the program and how important mm-hmm. that is and what can be done to improve it because mm-hmm. a lot of what we talked about in the in the prep for that presentation is if you want diversity and inclusion in these spaces then diversify and include because yes. you've got you've got tangible data of, of why these spaces aren't as inclusive as they should be. So exactly. How why did you decide to do that presentation? Because you decided long before the end of your time in the program that you were gonna get to work on that. And and how do you yeah. feel it was received? And have you seen any changes or anything tangible that that you're you're happy about, especially in, in that space? Sure. You know, I, I feel like I have like kind of learned over the past couple of years that like, if you want to stop being the clown, you'll stop being the clown. And that kind of like ideology can definitely shape shifts because you're not always the clown, of course, but essentially it's like, if you want something done, just get it done. So, you know, coming to the program, I, I, I think I was just like, more nervous or it just seemed like a daunting kind of task to make it to the program period but also i'm just like okay you can look at these you know these group shots from previous cohorts there are not a lot of people that look like me so i'm like if there's a space for me i'm gonna be the only one and that's how i went into the interview and i was like if there's a space for a black guy I ha- i'm gonna be the only one so i have to be the best black guy they see this week and Clearly I was, because I was the only black man in my cohort, um, one of two black people in a group of 11, which I guess is like, okay, it's not terrible. There were like three people of color altogether, eight non-people of color. So not exactly an even ratio, but I've seen worse and experienced worse. So um, kind of at first in the program, I definitely was just kind of concerned about me and getting my footing and my place placement. But I think like, as we got closer to like second and third rotations in the pandemic hit, I was just like, this is so much bigger than me. Like I can come in, they'd be like, oh yes, Nathan was a great page. But like, what does that even mean? What does that even matter once I'm out the program? Like generally everybody's a decent page. Like, (laughs) you know, you really know the people who aren't good pages more than you like remember all of the great pages, if you will. So I was like, yeah. So I was just like, okay, well, what am I going to do with this? Like, what am I going to do? So another Black page and I, um, Summer Hill, she was an East Coast page. She actually reached out to me about the idea of reaching out to HBCUs with these cold emails. 
So there are like 120 HBCUs and together we reached out to 82 of them just to let them know about the program because a lot of these HBCUs had never even known about the PAGE program. Right. Um, so that was like December, January, 2019, 20, 2019, 2020. Then the pandemic hit, you know, I became an admin with you and Bailey. And I was just like, okay, how can I like help other pages that kind of like look like me or people that want to be pages that, you know, maybe come from my same background to have a real shot at the program. And I would definitely say like it got swept up in the groundswell of like the page programs like reboot because of the murder of George, George, excuse me, George Floyd. Um, It definitely for the higher ups, I think it put things in perspective for them about how they wanted the legacy of the program to be viewed. So diversity and inclusion definitely kind of got like swept up along with like the pay raise um, and like health benefits kind of conversation. So I definitely feel like I rode a wave essentially um, more than I started a revolution, but that's okay. I got in where I fit in and that's all that matters. So, um, yes, I put together this presentation um, because I realized the issue with page program is that they don't recruit. And so that means it's a word of mouth program. Well, when you have mostly people that come from 12 schools across the nation apply for the program, they're going to tell their friends and they're going to tell their classmates. So you kind of get the same kind of crop of people. And it's been like that for some time. So I basically just wanted to break it down into chewable pieces for the page higher ups um and that's that's why i decided to do the presentation and yes i've seen changes the west coast cohort of i think the nine they hired five of them are black so i definitely feel like i i was like a small part if you will in the in the wheel of improvement the page program has had over the last calendar year i would say it was important though and i being in that presentation the most powerful parts are just the, the cold data, like the numbers. Mm. Right. Like, like you said, you just, you, you just say, you just see what schools, like map it out, plot it out. Mm-hmm. How many different schools make up the largest percentage of, of people here? Mm-hmm. That's, pie chart. <laughs> the pie chart. And that's where the problem lies. Like that's, that's why it's like, if you want diversity and inclusion, diversify right. and include. Stop being the clown, you'll stop being the clown. <laughs> like, if you want to change, you will change it. Like, it's that simple. And I, I don't know if you saw, like, the NBCU Academy that they just rolled out this past week. I did not. What is that? Have you not? Yeah, they, it's, it's this new initiative that NBC is doing. It was part of that whatever 100-some-odd million that they, they fronted back in May. Right. Um, it's basically a a college program that is going to I don't know I think something like 50 colleges let me look it up so I don't say a bunch of lies right now Um, it's a program part of Comcast NBC Universal um, Mm -hmm. partnering with 17 historically black colleges and universities Hispanic serving institutions and colleges with significant Latino Asian black indigenous and tribal populations uh, through through the NBC Academy uh, so it's going to offer students um, broad scope of on-campus training, online programs, scholarships, opportunities for interaction with NBC okay. News Group journalists, investing $6.5 million 
including scholarships worth 3.5 million over the next two years. Hmm. Um, so again, bringing, and we talked about this when you were putting that, that presentation together, mm -hmm. going to these places to show them yeah. that you care enough to get them involved in what you're working with, right? Like yeah. showing them that you even care to show up to their job fairs and to bring, to bring this information to them. It shows such like disregard for them as people, as students, as young professionals to not even do that. So I was really happy to see this rollout because mm -hmm. it's going to, to schools and, and colleges, I'm sure before, didn't have a lot of access to this. Oh, so no. Speaking of access, that's like the magic word. Like when it comes to anybody's success, opportunity and access is always the determining factor. Like, yes, you could be smart. Yes, you could be talented, but a lot of that either comes from access to that kind of chance to make your dreams come true or the opportunity to make your chance, come, to make your dreams come true. Yeah. So it's good that NBC is, you know, providing opportunities for people to gain access because those are the magic words. Right the there. magic words. No, I was really happy to see that. And I hope that continues. Like if you got a hundred million dollar pledge and that was six and a half million dollars, like that excites <laughs> me. There's a lot of money there still left there, to go. How to are you gonna, right. How are you going to use it? How's it going to be implemented? And I think they can only go up. So Hopefully it's positive changes and, and brings about important, important changes that have needed to be made for a long time. Absolutely. Um, and you're going to get better people. You're going to get talent. That's the, that's the great thing. If you invest in that, it's going to bode well for you and your company. But yeah. honestly, it's more just like opening your eyes to the world around you. Um, to, you know, have great candidates for the program. It, it, you did, they didn't really have to do much to find great people that were people of color. So here we are. I definitely think changes have been made. And, you know, we got a pay raise as well right before I left. So, you know, I definitely feel like things are moving in the right direction. And hopefully they stay that way. <laughs> I learned right away how you understand the power of music. Like you get it. <laughs> this is something that like, cause I'm, I'm a musician. I've played since, played piano since I was four. So yes. like, I've always been screaming from the rooftops about this whole like meta view on music and how powerful it is and how it connects people and, and the way it can influence everything. It, it moves mm -hmm. everything in our culture, in our society. And, and I understood that you got that right away through mm -hmm. the work that we did. When did you discover that? Do you play instruments? Like how, how like, do you just love music? Like what's your, what was your in? So I was definitely raised um, in the black church. So mm -hmm. both kids growing up in the black church, if you could even like snap on beat, you're doing something musical. Right. So they sing in the choir is my first musical experience at the age of like three years old. Um, I started playing piano or taking lessons when I was like seven, eight, the third grade. Um, and I continued that through the ninth grade. Um, I just didn't want to practice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I 
like I'm good on lessons. Um, but to this very day, because of all those lessons I took, the piano is my favorite instrument. It is the first instrument I hear in any song that has it. It's what draws me in. Yep. Honestly, a voice and some keys will get me where I need to go. That's why I was obsessed with Alicia Keys at first. That's all it needs. If you, if you, I myself. if you've got a good song, it will be successful if you just perform it with a voice and a piano. If yes, the song is good, carry it with the piano too. You know, with what? I said you also have to have the voice to carry it with just a piano. So there's. We'll get into we'll get into that. It's on the list. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> because yeah, we'll get we'll get into vocals in a second. But those are my first like musical kind of experiences, if you will. Mm -hmm. And also, I was an internet kid because I like grew up in the church. Like, I didn't really do too many extracurricular activities. It was like work, work, church, not work, church, school, and home. Mm -hmm. Ninety percent of my life. Um, so you know, discovering like pop culture references through like television and the internet. Um, that's how I kind of kept up with, you know, the media. So I have like very, very like strong memories of like waking up on Saturday morning before my mother woke up and watching like the country countdown on CMT or the on CMT. Yes. So like I have strong memories of watching like Natasha Bedingfield <laughs> and like Honky tonk, went off dog. Like yeah. it's really, this is really like really like targeted musical selections. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like whether they're like fun songs that just have a cool melody. Like I've always been able to connect with music in a very different way. So I would say like I'm musically inclined, yeah. um, but I am not like a master of voice or piano per se. But I do have a strong appreciation and love for it. No, that's the thing. That's what I've always respected about your analysis of music, <laughs> right? Because nothing irks me more. And we've talked about this when Bailey yes. you and I will get on some calls about different artists and stuff. If you're going to come with a certain opinion of something musical or about a song or an artist, like please have some semblance of knowledge about what you're talking about. Like yes. It always bothers me. Oh my gosh. So I always appreciate, like, you don't need to, like, you don't need to be a singer, a musician. Right. In order to really appreciate what is good and what is powerful about whatever particular song, artist, et cetera. A For little sure. later, we're going to go through a couple artists and a couple songs that I need to pick your brain about. Um, yes. <laughs> but but with the, but going back really quick to to church mm -hmm. and music like mm -hmm. i feel you like i you know grew up going to church every sunday as well and mm -hmm. you know for me that wasn't where i found my love of music per se but mm -hmm. from very young once i started to become better at piano and i got into singing and all that stuff mm -hmm. i was always like my grandparents wanted me to do a little song at their church. And then my oh. mom wanted me to perform on Sundays at, at my church. And so from very young, I've been like put into those types of situations and kind of being like accompanist of the church choir and mm -hmm. providing special music for this. And like that witnessing firsthand the power of music through a church setting mm -hmm. like that, that's all you need to understand it's, it. It's definitely, I would say, like, transformative. It's I didn't transformative. Really church, I didn't play in church that often, like, once every blue moon. I just mm. was never that skilled. I'm actually better with my ear than reading music. I can read music, but it's very, yeah. very low. 
Um, but I would definitely like, I played the drums in church and we traveled here and there. I definitely paid a, a couple of selections for Christmas, for my family every single year. That's something that definitely happened. And yes, it's funny, it's the year before I quit lessons was definitely like my worst performance. I don't even think I finished the piece. And that's like, yeah, that was, that was the way to go out. Cause I was like, I kept telling my mom, I don't know the piece. Like I only know like three quarters of it. I think she just like bypassed it this Christmas. And she was like, no, you have Absolutely to play. Not. And it was definitely the worst showing and I never returned for an encore. So, you know, <laughs> you know, in a few, in a, in a future year, I can like come back and redeem myself. Cause I, yeah. if I like practice, I can still like pick up because uh-huh. the ear never goes away, thankfully. Um, well, I've always said like, I'm not a crier. I don't cry easily. The mm-hmm. one thing that makes me cry is music. Like mm. if, if, if a, if a chord hits in the right way and there's some dissonance involved and mm-hmm. like somebody is taking it there, especially in a church setting, like tears, like that is the thing that will just like make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Let's talk about music and some of these opinions and and talking points and current events and things that I need to pick your brain about. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm very curious. I have a list. I have a list. Like, you think I'm joking? There's a bullet point (laughs) list. There's a bullet list in front of me. Okay. Well, you know, lay it on me and hopefully I can get some coherent answers. Please. I know you can because a lot of these came directly from your Twitter. (laughs) All right. First of all, let's talk Grammys really fast. Okay. The Grammys have always been interesting to me, and I think to a lot of people. But if you, like, really love this stuff and you pay attention, like, the Grammys have always been an interesting talking point. Agreed. Um, This past year, they even, you know, they they unveiled their new categories that they Mm -hmm. made and some of the R&B categories, like progressive R&B is a category now. Um... (laughs) Yeah. First of all, yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, what are your thoughts on that category addition and the elimination of urban contemporary and like that whole discussion? Because it was it was big after last year, and so mm-hmm. they kind of rolled out these new categories, which the R and B categories overall this year in the nominations, mm-hmm. some of them were head scratching to me. Like, yes, so very what, hit or miss, I would say. Yeah, which happened for R and B. I feel like a lot. But this year particularly was very like hit or miss. <laughs> um, I would definitely say like last year, it, the term urban became like under scrutiny because truthfully, the <laughs> a quick history lesson. Okay, so in the like 1950s and 60s, you know, Billboard had like pop charts and black charts. And so it was to be able to distinguish between like what white people are listening to and what black people are listening to. And so like over time, the word pop became code for white and urban became code for black. And so of course, like as time goes on, you have people who kind of dipping and dabbing in like the other genre right. Right. over time, but it's still like genre words are still so racially coded to this very day. like. You know, they're putting Lizzo in the urban contemporary category as if she's not a whole pop star. I'm like, 
if she was a white woman, it would be no question, even with the same trap beats or trap light kind of staccatos, because right. it's very pop. Out. There's actually a lot of genre on that particular album, but she's a pop star. Just... Well, her, her three Grammys that she won last year are for three yes. different categories. Isn't three that different, very... not, not categories, sorry, three different genres. Absolutely. Also, Doja Cat, who's more like, I guess, this year kind of, mm-hmm. kind of girl. I think they have the Hot Pink album, Coded as R&B Soul. Ain't not a, really a bit of soul on that album. It's a lot of pop and hip hop. I would consider it pop. She's a pop star to me. Yeah. Um, that happens to rap, if that makes sense. But like her yeah. image is very pop. Um, so, you know, they're still getting genres wrong these days, but they wanted to give the title a more educational, like politically correct way of doing it. But what's so crazy is still to this day, like that category is just going to be the category that the black artists that are up for album of the year win because they're not going to win album of the year. That's essentially what urban contemporary means. Like if you got snub for album of the year and you're a black artist, they're going to give you the urban contemporary. You want nomination. urban contemporary. One of the right, more, like, one of the. Like, un- unapologetic, I believe. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, you didn't get the album of the year or not. That's why. Right. And, and like, one of the most, one of the most recent, like, most well-known if you don't even like look into this stuff too much if you just mm-hmm. are kind of a general viewer of the grammys i think one of the more recent big examples of that that you'll find is lemonade versus 25 mm-hmm. so, sure. le- so lemonade for those who don't remember beyonce's <laughs> magnum opus lemonade came out <laughs> the same year as adele's 25 right mm-hmm. behemoth album sales like adele I mean, who's selling albums like Adele at this Nobody, point? Nobody. Um, right. Not even Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, 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 no. And so, again, the whole, the nominations came out. Those two women were obviously going to be battling it out for the, the major categories and who was going to take the night, right? So, Beyonce's Lemonade lost album of the year, 225. Yeah. Beyonce mm-hmm. did win um, Urban Contemporary album, which they conveniently broadcasted that night on the main mm, show. That particular year, exactly. Right? So that Beyonce could go on stage because they knew that they can't have Beyonce give a nine minute performance and be nominated for nine awards and not be seen accepting a Grammy. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what gets so frustrating to people that do look into this stuff. Because again, when those decade end lists come out, what's the album that's near the top of the list every time of those Limited two. It's definitely like top three for everybody. Right. So it's one of those things where, yes, these trophies at the end of the day, do they define what the best music of any particular year is? No. Right. That's not what we're saying. But I just always think they're so interesting for these conversations that we're having right now. It's just very interesting to see what makes it into certain categories in certain years. Yes. Um, what was the category in the R&B categories where there's no women, even though it was, it's an Best R&B? R&B song, not right. a single woman. And I was just like, or in might 2020, be, or is it album? Not, no, it's not song because Chloe and Hallie are up. So it's definitely album. And I was just like, 2020 was ran by the women of R&B. I'm confused. Yeah. And even people like, people that aren't super popular like that's okay because that's what the grammys are for too it gives those people that don't have mainstream recognition like a shot Mm -hmm. however 
I'm just like, there is no way there is not at least three women of right. five or six. That does not make any sense to me. So right. that and was th- the most baffling thing for me this particular year. Yeah. And I, I think... And Brandy getting snubbed, but you know, that's because I'm a stain. That's Br- all. Brandy's on the list, Nathan. Don't you worry. She is on oh, the list. Know, I'm going to go in, but please continue. Mm-hmm. She's coming up. <laughs> She's coming up. But, you know, I, I'm sure you get this question a lot because you're a lover of music. I get this question a lot, too, because I'm mm-hmm. a lover of music and a musician for many years. And people mm-hmm. always ask, like, so what's, what kind of music do you love? Like, what do you love? And, of course, I have music that I, that I do love and that I gravitate towards. But yeah. I always say, you know what I, what I love, what I stand, you know, the way, like, people love to stand things, right? So yeah. what I stand <laughs> is a concept is mm-hmm. quality, is hard work, is thought put into the art they're creating. Yes. That's what I love. So whether that comes from the country music, right? Like Carrie Underwood, and we'll get to her later. Yes. Whether that comes from that, right? Quality, talent, the vocals, right. or mm-hmm. that comes from Beyonce or her, or like you name the artist, Brandy. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, people that put so much thought into their live performances, into their art, and that brings me to Chloe and Hallie. Yes. Who, during this pandemic, you know, they released their album, and it was during a pandemic. They can't do the usual rounds of promo and live performances that any artist would normally do. What Mm -hmm. did they do? They said, you know what? We're just going to transform our tennis court every other day into a completely new concept. Perform every song off of that album. They literally did. Every song with a different concept, a different Mm -hmm. look, a different arrangement, and do the rounds to every single show. It infuriates me how underrated those two are. It's owned this year. If this was like 20 years ago, if it's like the year 2000, Chloe and Hallie would be like the biggest thing ever, right along with Britney Spears. I'm just convinced. They're they so would literally good. be up there in popularity, but you know, it's a different time. And, <laughs> um, you know, like just trends and tastes are a little different, if you will. I feel like they have been, will always get critical acclaim. It's just like whenever the masses kind of want to catch up, if you will. But I mean, there's a lot of things that goes into, it's, it's, there's a lot of elements, I would say. Like, first of all, the first album was stellar, but it was. it was not really like commercially appealing. And that's okay for me because I don't care about that stuff. But, you know, if you want to like sell records or get on the radio, you know what you kind of have to do. So Do It was, I feel like, a nice, you what know. A good song. It is. It's a great, one of the best singles of 2020, I would say. But it's a very like radio friendly R&B yeah. pop kind of cute bop, if you will. Mm-hmm. So like they definitely put more effort um, into making some more commercially appealing records this year. Yeah, I hope that they continue to work that album because I do feel like there are a few more singles on there that could be huge, namely the title track. I definitely feel like that can be a really Such good hit good for song. crossover as well from. Yeah. Honestly, who I don't even need that one to be successful on like the R&B and hip hop charts. That could really go straight to pop. And I think they could really work that to be successful. What's your favorite sh- song on that album? Um, it, it fluctuates. And that's how I know I love the album. Yep. There's not a skip. 
in it's, my opinion. It's such a good song. No, I like catch up, and I didn't even like the catch up song at first, but in mm. the in the sequence of the album, it it, it fits and. Um, Hallie snapped in the second verse, so it's cool with me now. You know those songs where you remember the first time you heard them because they're that they're that good. Yeah. For me, "Wonder What She Thinks of Me" was one of those songs where the first time I heard it, I had headphones on, and it, that song is so just like sonically driven. It's so big. It's it so beautiful. Like their vocals, and I remember listening to it like, "Wow, they." They really went in on that one and on that yes. whole album. I'm so mm-hmm. glad they finally did a live performance of that song. <laughs> I've been well, waiting. Speaking of, you know, I pay attention to, I pay attention, shall I pay attention. They're um, nominated for that particular song for best traditional R&B performance. Yeah. And I was just like, girl, no one's heard the song yet. And then they dropped the tiny desk. I was like, y'all know the voting rounds just started. Y'all are smart. Yeah. Y'all are smart. They we need to hear on. it. We needed to hear it. We really did. In fact, on the Tinnitus, they covered all the songs they hadn't performed yet that year. So yeah. um, I, was, I, was, I was excited about that. And I thought it was smart on whoever's idea it was to go ahead and perform that for the Tiny Desk during the voting rounds. They're that was killing it. Smart they're move. So smart, smart. Move. They're killing it. Parkwood's killing it. Like their team, their stylists, everyone is just yeah. really. Acres, she knows what she's doing. Zarina Acres is her name, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, she's the please. same one. Is she the same one that did the Black is King? Absolutely, she's Beyonce, Beyonce stylist. Yes, mm-hmm. so yeah, she she knows what she's doing. Absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so next on the list, we need to talk about we need to talk about sneaker night because oh the- god, <laughs> <laughs> sneaker night just for everyone. Do y'all y'all know where my stance is on that? Sneaker <laughs> night is quite literally one of the worst songs I have ever heard, and it is by far the worst song to come out of Disney Channel. Like, I'm so sorry, Vanessa Hudgens, because you actually have a top fiver with say okay. But girl, you also gave us the worst song ever. And I was like, I looked at the producer, J.R. Rotem wrote Fuego by the Cheetah Girls and something else. He produced both of those. And I was just like, now how do you produce Fuego? What happened? But you give us Sneaker Night. And honestly, Sneaker Night, there's something there. Like it could be fixed with a lot of tweaking, but it's just like, there was just no editing process, I'm convinced. There's the intro song. to that song is the singular most chaotic musical moment the first I think I've ever heard. You don't that know that you don't, the, bridge. the bridge. You don't know what key the song's in for a hot minute. You, you don't, don't know where these clunky jazz chords are going. You don't know where the <laughs> beat, like it is genuinely I can't talk about that song without laughing. It is so funny. And so and I've never liked the song. So like, Ever. I, find, like I know my ear has been on for a long time. A long time. Girl, what is this? And it was the lead for a second <laughs> album, too. And I was like, girl, yep. this is the lead single? After coming off of Baby Come Back and Say Okay, girl. And Baby Come mind. Back. Baby Come Back is a good song. Yes, Baby Come I, Back holds up. Agreed. So, to say, Pop so R&B. What in the, in the video? 
Oh my god! <laughs> like the video, these light up sneakers. I was like, okay, girl. Like I, I that was a trend. I won't be too hard about that. The fedora. I, I was like, the vocal approach is like jarring. Cause I'm like, girl, you're on the more Mariah Carey side of vocal than you are Mary J. Blige. So what is this Beyonce vocal you're trying to give us? I was just like, what is going on? I was just really confused and I still am to this day. But it it came up as a conversation on the timeline on Twitter. And I took that to Instagram because I was just like, I think y'all need to remember that Sneaker Night is a terrible song because I forgot. Yeah, and that week I had been talking about Sneaker Night with a couple of my friends from home. And I saw your Instagrams and I messaged you right away because I was like, you did. we need to talk about Sneaker Night. That song is so objectively bad, but I need people to understand how bad it is like melodically it is a mess (laughs) like lyrically it's okay but like melodically and vocally it is super jarring to the (laughs) it makes the back of my teeth grind i cannot listen to that song in full the bridge is really just does a number on me i'm sorry like i think she did three keys in the last few vocal choices of the bridge three different keys i i blame the producer i have i'm sorry (laughs) It's your fault. I know, so I'm like, girl, if that's ain't right, this y'all made her sing this though. She, first of all, this. Like, there's questions already, and then if we fast forward this to the vibrato and resonance, she's trying to. I was just like, oh, here's the bridge. That here's has the bridge. never been. Oh. Let's discuss the bridge. Here we go. Oh, it's not over. No. Like that melodically doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's like almost like ragtime. Like I'm really just <laughs> dark. It's just like gospel and jazz. So it's like really bluesy. I'm just like, what? We went to New Orleans church for a second. Like <laughs> Vanessa and Hudgens, like, I'm just glad they didn't give it to Raven. Honestly, like, <laughs> I'd rather her have that stain on her record than, like, our legend Raven. I'm sorry. Raven, oh my God. That's so, not even on the list. That's not even on the list, but the power that Raven Simone had on oh, Disney for a decade. This is my time is a good album. That's oh, a no. good album. It is such a good album. Like, there's a song called Alice on that album. Yes, there is. I'm like, girl, yes, I'm with is. you. I'm in the darkness. The what, was the one, what was the one? It's like, raisin in the grass. And the dun, yes, da, da, da. raisin in the grass. Ooh. That was one of the Timon and Pumbaa. Like, yeah, it was. <laughs> it's like, but that, it's like a, she's so good. Some call it magic. Like, that wasn't on that album. But <clears throat> she's everything. And she she carried Disney Channel on her back. Literally. For a decade. Literally. Literally, so, Miss carrying it to this day. Raven's home is still. She on is the kick she does in Strut and Cheetah Girls too. Yes, with the with the like a stiletto like boot. All the other <laughs> girls have flats except Raven. Raven's also she was running of the girls, so it's just like her stamina. Crazy. 
What's funny is that Cheetah Girls could have been a successful group outside of Disney Channel. It, it's just that the pieces never all got together in time. It, it just yeah. like just missed their moment, if you will. But they did tour they and did. they made a lot of money, honestly. So did you see the again, I'm going off topic here, but did you see that Raven said recently on a live that she has not touched her Cosby show money? Yes. It's just sitting. It's just sitting growing. And that's syndicated, so I know she gets a check every month. Oh, well, well, the whole Cosby stuff, maybe it doesn't get syndicated as much, but prior to... Prior to. Cosby show was getting aired on all the Black channels, all the cable channels, so... She hasn't touched it, so she's well off, and she is living the life she deserves. Agree. She had a top 10 hit back in the 90s. Missy Elliott wrote, that's the little girls are made of. And that was top 10 on the Billboard charts. She's been in the game for decades, and just... Literally. <laughs> no sign of slowing down since three years old like successfully yeah inspiring well Icon. you know speaking of icons brandy brandy yes. we discussed this when we were working together because during those months was when brandy was kind of getting a nice little moment she's getting her flower i was i was loving the conversations around brandy people revisiting brandy Yes. People understanding the influence that Brandy has on their favorite artists of today. Yes. It and, clicked for a lot yeah. of people the past year, and I was very happy about that as a fan because... Yeah, and I, she released an incredible album. She released she an incredible did. album. It's probably what we talked about it because I wrote a review about it for the newsletter. A <laughs> <laughs> whole thing. Yes, I couldn't myself. But she's one that she was dominating in the very, 90s. She, dominating she was like there is no one else with brandy's resume no one millions of records hit tv show cover girl please cinderella Cinderella. it's just it's too it's too many like string of wins no one has her resume she is definitely my favorite artist really Um, absolutely of all time my favorite artist yes of all time I was going to ask you that, and I didn't think you were going to give me an answer. I thought you were going to say something like, you know. No, Brandy is definitely my favorite artist. She's not my favorite vocalist of all right. time. She's my favorite artist, for sure, hands down. Oh, who's your favorite vocalist? For me, my favorite vocalist is Yolanda Adams. Uh, you know, I grew up in church, so gospel was a big yep. genre in the house. Yolanda Adams' voice is very transformative, and uh, I always say, like, some of her records saved my life. <laughs> oh no, she's incredible. She is incredible. That's Great a, that is a healing voice. That is a voice yes. that has been anointed and she is sharing her gift here on True. earth and we are grateful for it. Imagine my, you know, my heart bursting through my body when her and Carrie Underwood performed together. <laughs> oh my God. I lost my mind. Carrie Underwood, nine months pregnant. Literally Just like about to pop. Giving like, a vocal moment. It's the resonance for me. The resonance. It it was ridiculous. And what I loved about that duet, Mm -hmm. they both, neither of them sacrificed their bag, right? Their skill set. What makes each one of them icons, right? Yep. And they didn't didn't diminish that on either of them. Carrie is not going to do Yolanda riffs. Yolanda is not going to do Carrie Underwood belts. They're just not. And that's fine. And that's okay. That's literally okay. Definitely my brand. <laughs> <laughs> and if, I mean, 
might as well transition then into Carrie Underwood because I was, this was one of those tweets that you put out, one of those hot takes that you put out. Yeah. That I was so happy (laughs) that you recognized this because Carrie Underwood, fun facts here, anybody that's listening that has known me since like elementary school, when Carrie Underwood Mm -hmm. won American Idol, I was, you know, one of those people that would vote on American Idol every single week, multiple times. And Carrie was like my favorite that season. So when her album, her first album, Some Hearts came out, I got it for Christmas. Like, and I became a fan of hers from the beginning, beginning of her career. And I've seen Mm -hmm. her live multiple times. I've followed her career since then, all the way to now, over 15 years. And over 15 years later, she is still charting when she releases a new album number one on the all genre chart she Mm -hmm. has more influence and prominence in terms of a country artist in the mainstream Mm -hmm. still almost 20 years into her career and her voice yes she her voice is absolutely incredible still when the power that it has and, and the major success that she has had consistently so yes. when I saw you tweet about her and about her career being one that like people need to look at. Yes, Carrie Underwood is literally the best country artist we have ever seen. I'm so sorry. Like there are other legends, you know, there's Dolly's, there's Shania's, yeah. but I'm sorry, no other female or country singer is seeing the vocalist that mm-hmm. is Carrie Underwood the way she builds a song because she gets great records the girl has a great ear for music almost like the only person i compare her ear to music to is rihanna both of them know a good record when they hear one yeah. and that's why you don't get a lot of duds out of them especially the further you progress in their careers yeah but this for me it's carnival ride that is my favorite oh, one of my favorite albums one. ever love that from top to bottom like last i know night. you won't uh i know you won't yeah. um I think all american girls on that album as yeah, well but i think for me jesus take the wheel was like the first record i heard that made me go oh yeah. who is this and what is this like i kept with american idol like loosely mm-hmm. um but i'm not like a carrie underwood like american idol fan i didn't really watch her season like that yeah. but for me it was you know jesus take the wheel the first non-american idol single and i was like oh yeah because that's when i was watching the country countdowns on saturday so that's when it was like it was popular and i was like okay christian contemporary country bag you know those 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 audiences cross over often and i heard that she's going to release a more christian contemporary album they call it gospel like it won't be gospel baby but (laughs) i will out christian contemporary let's just call it what it will be um and i think her, her first single to be in that kind of lane i'm surprised she hasn't gone back sooner to be honest and she's um, really she's gotten to the point in her career based on what i've seen her do in the past year especially right she mm-hmm. did this this uh christmas album that she released yes, and so gift. then my gift right is now paired with this she's saying that it's like the part two to that album right is this christian contemporary album that she's gonna put out right and she's at the point in her career she doesn't mm-hmm. need to like stick to the album tour rest nope. album tour rest no she's she wants to make a two-parter album want to go on this christian contemporary journey and like yeah, do girl, this and album tra- and i will travel with her exactly but she's I, at that I, point she doesn't need I, to follow the rule 
absolutely. I love seeing legends do legendary things, things that make <laughs> sense for people with legend status. I feel like 2020 was a great year for legends. Yeah. Specifically, Brandy got her flowers. Mariah Carey had an amazing year. She'll always have a great year now because all yeah. I want for Christmas is you will be going number one every single year from now on. Yeah. Um, Usher got his residency. Yes. Um, and so in Vegas, and then so did Kelly Clarkson. And mm -hmm. so now we have Carrie Underwood, you know, being like, oh, here's a Christmas special on HBO Max here. Um, Which was beautiful, by the way. Legend. Exactly. Like, I just, that means like the team behind the scenes is a good team. I yeah. feel like Mariah Carey hasn't always had the best team. She's on the so list. So to see her like rise into her Christmas fame, I won't go too in depth yet, but to see her kind of, all these legends kind of rise up in their moments as they're coming, it's really special to see. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you understand that. And yes, love me some Carrie. I'll probably go listen to Carnival Ride after this talk <laughs> because we talked about her. Uh, she's amazing. Um, another amazing vocalist. Um, and then Mariah's on the list a little later. I want to mm -hmm. talk to you about her. Um, but Jasmine Sullivan, somebody else that I I feel like has gotten some flowers this year, as she yeah. should. Um, now, Jasmine Sullivan, like the first time I ever heard her that I remember mm -hmm. was, um, oh my gosh, it was yeah, Nobody Ever Loved Me Quite Like You. That album, oh, like, for her. I know that's that, right. <laughs> like, that album, so that was a long time. I mean, I was in high school, maybe like a sophomore in high school or something. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like this woman, this big voice is incredible. And ever since then, I've followed her. And she's another criminally underrated artist that I yeah. wish more people knew about. And like the thing that I love about her is her music does not mince words in the slightest. Like, like in love with another man, if you... If I like think about the first lyrics of that song, like pure stripped back honesty going <laughs> there, right? And even now, she just did her tiny desk, which yes. phenomenal. When she sang, and I, oh my God, when she sang "Lost One," yes, spiritual. First of all, I love that song, but another Trans example, transcendent. Another example of a stunning voice paired with a beautiful song, but like honest vocals you know yes. don't don't have too much fun without me right it's yes. so simple don't forget about me mm -hmm. you know uh try not to love no one Th those it's, lyrics that's the it's the second verse for me like someone said that uh lost one is like the second season of insecure and i was like this really is isa like Lada, <laughs> like in a song in fact the whole the whole ep could be on the this last season of insecure it's definitely that that vibe I have been a fan of Jasmine Sullivan since Need You Bag came out in 2008. I am a full-blown stan. And here's the thing, too. You know, artists have very interesting trajectories sometimes. So, yeah. you know, I feel like albums don't get shelved as much as they used to. But Jasmine, I feel like, is a part of, like, the last generation. But she's just getting her flowers now. She has like two albums worth of unreleased material that never came out because she was shelled from her original um, record label. She got signed when she was 14, um, which was like an 04, but her yeah. first album didn't come out until eight. So she has, a lot of, she has a lot of unreleased records, like demos out there floating around that are absolutely incredible. Um, so I've literally been like a full-blown fan since then. But the song you referenced, In Love With Another Man, is from her debut album. 
the debut album. Disgusting. And she was singing like that on the debut album. The, like, don't even don't even give me an instrumental intro. Just start right. And what is that? Uh-huh. A piano and a voice. And a voice, exactly. As Queen B said once upon a time, all I need is a mic and a light. That's it. Period. Like, if the rest of it, like, if they want to, because th- that scene in that particular documentary is they're telling her about the fire codes and how mm-hmm. they can't do the lights she wants and they can't have the steps that she wants and they can't have the stage that she wants. And she looks at them with a straight face and is like, all I need is a mic and a light. Period. She knows <laughs> the, the power. That's her power. Period. She knew. She knew. And, and yes, that's I Jasmine that. Solomon. All she needs is a mic and a light. That's it. It's true. I would also say she kind of falls in the Chloe and Hallie section of I feel like this is a very commercially appealing album. It, it doesn't. It doesn't come at the cost of the artistry, thankfully. But this is definitely the most like radio appealing album she has ever, or excuse me, project she has ever put out. So I'm excited that she's getting her flowers. Hopefully, you know, people go back and listen to all of her amazing records like Brand New, which is in Mascara, which are probably my two favorites from her, from the reality show album, a genius album conceptually. (laughs) I hope everyone's listening and just taking notes. If you haven't been taking notes so that you know what to listen to after you listen, Yes, well, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't give you know Brandy enough. I feel oh, yeah, like, yeah, go ahead and you know, listen to Full Moon and listen to Human. I feel like those are her two best conceptually, her best two albums, if you yes. will. Never Say Never was the breakout album, though. So, you know, give people, you know, some nuggets to walk away with. You know, it's important <laughs> to me if you leave with anything from this yeah. episode, make it that. Now, Take another- this- albums yes another legend here and i want to talk to you about mariah carey because one of the things that you one of the things that you touched on is her team right yes and not always having the most consistently great team Mm -hmm. um i wanted to talk to you about her because in recent years Mm -hmm. mariah i think hasn't really found comfort in the fact that she is a legend she Mm -hmm. is an icon she does not have to explain herself or prove herself right anyone because you know her track record speaks for itself i mean we'll get into the stats in a moment of why mariah (laughs) is mariah carey but i am so happy to see that for her because i feel like maybe eight years ago seven eight years ago Mm -hmm. she was falling into this all too common trap of trying to get petty with your legacy and with new artists and like clapping back and needing to prove yourself. And like when Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj were having their feud on Mm -hmm. Idol, like she was doing that a lot. And she had that E! News weird reality show. And like- Dark times. It just, (laughs) I'm so happy to see her just resting on her laurels because that's all she needs to do. Like you said, she has a song that's gonna go number one for the rest of her life. And beyond that song, and beyond, is, like streaming has really put that over the top. So you don't have anything to prove, Mariah. You don't, especially to these younger artists. You really don't. Yes. So I'm it's, glad to I, see. It's really the welcoming of legacy that is such a huge thing. I would also say Brandy was also not comfortable with her legacy. Um, mm. for a long time and I feel like in the last few years that she had been kind of absent from the scene she has really gained like her you know really just like really accepted 
you know, all the accolades and praise and really was just like, okay, well, let me make what I really want to make now. So that's why I think Caution was Mariah's best album of the last decade. It was really um, good. Because it's cute. It's It's funny because she was just saying on an interview that her voice was not the place it needed to be while recording that album. Um, And that she wished it was a little longer. But I'm like, no, girl, those 10 tracks were perfect. (laughs) Really, It's a really good album. Cute album. But for me, Mariah Carey, oh, wow. Like, vanishing from the debut album of Piano and a Voice. I just, that's what I knew. I was just like, oh, yes, this is the girl for me. I love generally all of her albums. They all have great records on them. Um, I just like, it's just crazy that like she was 18 years in her career and we got Touch My Body. Like, that is a genius record. That's a (laughs) genius record. The video was genius. Genius. That's when when it clicked for me. I was just like, she came out in 1990, like before I was born. And you're telling me in 2008, we're going to touch my body. In 2005, we're going to be emancipation. The fact we get emancipation 15 years into a career, like, baby girl was held captive for 15 years that's crazy to me yeah no it's there's and i have her book is on my shelf right over there her, Listen, you ain't gotta tell me twice <laughs> you have it there it is i'm ryan carey yeah. and you i honestly whether you're a fan of hers or not or you don't even know a lot about her you just know that she is the mariah carey right Read that book like you're really gonna learn a lot and one of the things with her Mm-hmm. That woman is a songwriter. She will write you down. And people don't know that. She wrote all except one mm-hmm. of her number one hits. Yes. And how many are there? Na- 19. 19, right? That's insane. Nobody's yeah. touching that number. She is and, number two of number one of, of the most not number ones, most yeah. female, the female with the most weeks at number one ever in history. Yeah. And this is like pre-streaming. Mm-hmm. That's Pre- the thing. <laughs> like, well, she had, she had up until Old Town Road. Okay. So in 1996, the year I was born, One you. Sweet Day. Yes. Okay. One Sweet Day was the longest running number one of yes. all time. Pre-streaming. It was tied by Despacito, and then it was broken by Mr. Little Nas. Right, so um, pre-streaming. Also, also, Old Time Run is 14 times platinum, the most awarded song in history, apparently. Oh my That's Lord. crazy. What, what a moment. What a moment. What a... But the fact that she held on to a record like that yes. up until, the, like, besides streaming, besides all yeah. of that. And, and the, the crazy thing about her, too, is when you look at the list mm-hmm. of longest charting number ones not too far behind is we belong together yes she comes she does one for i don't know 17 weeks or something or 16 weeks which was once a day yes and then then 14 14. weeks yes and speaking of we belong together blocked shake it off from going number one like it was (laughs) she had number one and number two record in the country at the same time she's literally insane like it's and, just and uh, again right. and people like to get, get you know when she performs live now um yeah picky about how she sounds and her voice and everything and you know okay whatever like there's a conversation to be had about what I a voice can do she has sounded so much better than she has before yes her voice sounds much the healthier debacle. the christmas debacle and the new year's debacle however let's not forget she when you listen to those clips from 1990 mm-hmm. and 1991, you, we are not 
are we ever going to hear a voice like that again? Can you imagine? Well, have Mariah Carey Light in Ariana yeah. Grande. Yeah. So, yeah, technically we have her to Technically, similar. but you know what I mean? Like, there's those classic clips of her singing, um, what is a, she sings America the Beautiful, or mm-hmm. that was like, in 1990, nobody knew who she was. She's like nope. a kid. And she steps out and does that. This giant you know, I can't imagine. I can't imagine watching that. Like, man, Live. I wish I'd been around for that. <laughs> okay, ciao. Listen, That's but yeah, crazy. Mar- literally incredible. If you know, and also she's also a big part of why we even have hip hop collaborations with pop artists today. She's very yeah. much a pioneer in that as well. Mariah Carey is white passing, but she is you know biracial, so she got a lot of. Um, like love from like the pop charts the pop people love her but also you know the black community really loves mariah carey as well so she used her powers for good and kind of meshed the two together because putting odb on fantasy (laughs) (laughs) i'm like that's that's pretty crazy when you look back on it but yeah the reason why your favorite you know rappers are on your favorite pop artist songs is largely in part to Mariah Carey. She wasn't the first to do it, but she definitely popularized it. Speaking of, mm-hmm. let's talk about remixes because I have some thoughts. Um, sure. In re- recent, recent events, especially with the 3435 remix coming out a couple of days ago. Yes, we can talk about <sighs> that briefly. Okay, so uh, full disclosure. Yeah. I have not listened to Positions still. You don't necessarily need to i heard the lead single and i literally was just like "Hmm, maybe another time man ariana i (sighs) okay wait so 3435 right yes so this is the first time it's my first time hearing the song right and i knew it wasn't going to be a real remix because people don't do those so i was like okay i'll get a gist of like the song and so i'm hearing it and i think my issue with the things that I've heard from the last two projects from Ariana Grande is that they have just sounded very generic. Mm-hmm. And after coming off an album like Sweetener, listen, I know it's a polarizing album. Either Ooh. you love it or you don't. I think Sweetener is her best artistic work to date. It is very cohesive artistically. It make it's a that is a that is like her only true executed conceptual album and i will ride for that album specifically <laughs> i don't care what y'all say about pharrell's beats i don't care i don't i don't agree i just don't agree i'm sorry um and i'm also sick that breathing got eclipsed by thank you next because she wanted to release two albums in six months Breathing's i'm a good still song. very very salty because that was my favorite pop song of 2018 now that i've gotten that off my chest <laughs> when i listened to thank you next i was just a little underwhelmed because I just felt like artistically it just did not come together. And then I've heard Positions and now 3435, and I've just been like, this just sounds really generic. And the reason why I can even say that is because y'all see all these like mashups with Ariana Grande songs keep, you know, finding its way on the internet. It is literally because the vocal and the melody is solid, but the beats are very generic. So it sounds like it can be put on any song. That could be seen as a great thing or not so great thing. And I feel like in her case, it's not a great thing. The mashups are great, but that just goes to show you that I feel like, well, girl, the production value can be stepped up. You know, we're not really hearing mashups from songs from Sweetener. Those beats were specific, okay? Whether you like them or not, they're hers. That's just, that's how I feel about them. So the remix 
it's not really a remix. It's as not a know. remix. It's it really should be called rap versions. That's how I see it. <laughs> um, Doja and Megan had good verses, but the song is just flat in general, and nobody was going to make that song really come alive. No, and without some type of beat change, like you know, even on Savage, there is a twist in the production. And then there's there's Beyonce versus so like there's still even a twist there with that particular image, but it still sounds enough like the original for it to get those streams so it could go number one. I know right. the game, but the, the game. that's the thing with Savage is a good example of like mm-hmm. this year. If we're just gonna talk about this year, right? Yes, so a remix. That's a remix. Okay, yes. so there's a different production. There's different mm-hmm. verses. Yes. There's added vocal layering. There's added yep. backgrounds because Beyonce brings her own skill set, right? So she's going to come Absolutely. on the track. She's going to listen to it and add, you know, the, okay, like that that little detail. I exactly. remember the first time I heard that remix, I was like, ah, I can't stand <laughs> this woman. I truly cannot. But that's a remix, right? That is this, a real remix. This, this is 34, 35, but instead of the second verse coming in, it's a rap. And then it goes back to the chorus, and then instead of the bridge, it's Megan. Like, that's not a remix. Where's the and new concept? And people do bridges anymore either because they want to make streamable songs. So they like to clock out around two thirty, which only calls for <laughs> two verses and three choruses, maybe or two choruses. So I know we don't the even art get bridge. Of a bridge. The art of a bridge is so important. A bridge can really carry a song, but I mean, like you have to care about singing to really love bridges. I feel like so. There's that. And honestly, I'd like Ariana to get under the thumb of Scooter Braun. I know it's not happening, but I would like her, Justin, and Demi to all be freed from Scooter Braun's tentacles. I feel like he's a part of the problem. Wait, I forgot to mention back when we were talking about Grammys. What did you think of Justin Bieber's rant about how he didn't want to be? He wanted to be in the R&B categories for that album he put out. I literally said, oh, baby's having a temper tantrum. Like, please spare me. That was so weird. Or from Canada, okay? Like, please. That was so strange. Yeah. It no. was odd. And I was just like, sir, a staccato trap beat. Journals <laughs> was still more R&B than Changes, baby. I'm so sorry. Journals is his best album. And it is his most R&B album as well. And I'm just like, now how do you have a Journals in your catalog and you're trying to sell me that Changes <laughs> R&B? I'm not buying it, baby, because you've already done it before. So yeah, Justin. Uh, I was so I have, strange. I have thoughts on Justin Bieber. I How have do thoughts. Oh, but you know, I'm just. I've been underwhelmed for a very long time by him, and I feel like with someone with his people that have the fan base, I'm like, y'all could literally change the face of pop music, and you're just deciding not to. Why would? Why shouldn't Ariana Grande fi- uh, fit a trend? You're the leading female yeah. pop artist. You should be started trying to set a trend. And, you know, we see, we see little Ariana, you know, little babies pop up here and there. Miss Madison Beer, I'm looking at you, girl. You ain't nothing. You are literally offspring. Okay, Mariah Carey would be your grandmother, which is very interesting. Um, but yes, I just feel like people who have these huge platforms, like imagine Beyonce trying to fit a trend. Imagine Adele trying to fit a trend. Even like Ed Sheeran, I can even give him a little piece of that pie. If you have the fan base, please do something with that because there are people that would die. Like Jasmine Sullivan will never have the Ed Sheeran Sheeran level of success ever for a lot of reasons that we can truly go unnamed, but you can just, you can put them together. And so like, why would you even like not use the platform you've been given? I like that Ariana gave us a Netflix special 
step in the right direction. But I'm like, if I just think Scooter really wants to just make his money and keep it pushing. And it's not really about the art for him as it is about the check. And right. I don't mind people caring about the check because we love a check. But I just really feel like when Ariana looks back on her career, I just don't want album you know, sweetener or like album like eight, nine or 10 being like the first time we're really like seeing some artistic cohesion from her. Cause it, it took a while, took a while. I'm like for sweetener to be the project number four. And the first time I really felt like it came together, but she's always had great records because she's so talented. Yeah. So those are my thoughts on Miss Ariana and well, that 34-35 remix. Quote and unquote. I think with Ariana and with artists in general, like you said, that are mm-hmm. super talented, that's when it's frustrating when they don't put out some great work because Ariana Grande's voice. Yes. Wow. Unrivaled. Wow. Live and in the studio. She's incredible. An incredible vocalist. And she can carry a song. Yes. I wish I saw the Sweetener tour. Had I known, had I known. Had I I known. (laughs) Seen her on tour. She came came to like three different Florida dates too. So I definitely could have made one of them. Yeah, she's good, and I don't know. But the, the thing so- about people with talent, you know, I, I can never count them out. The thing is, Arna Grande still has that voice. So yep. with the right set of producers or the right moment in life, it can, it can really always, always come together for her. That's why I don't count out legends. You know, I would never count out Usher. I would never count out Mariah Carey, Brandy. I could even not like an album or something they give me, and I will always be there for the next one because yeah. talent is it, it's hard to come by. So when you have talent like that, you could always make fireworks even after a, even a decade of not making it make sense. It can always come back to the, to the home plate. So that's how I feel. Do you think of an example off the top of your head of somebody that did that? Yes, Mariah Carey. Yeah, Mariah Carey. Like Caution, Caution was the first album since maybe Memoirs or even E equals MC squared. That was like great. And there's like a 10 year gap between equals mc squared and that's the touch my body album and yes. um and caution is like a nine-year difference yeah uh was not it <laughs> merry christmas one. 2 was okay <laughs> i didn't even love memoirs uh, yeah. but i do love obsessed why are you so obsessed with me love obsessed that good. you love a disc record <laughs> well she's she, and in her catalog there are a couple albums that get you know you think of her Charm bracelet. Charm charm bracelet gets lost because it was right before Emancipation. I mean, not right before, but it was the album before. Not her. her It's not a terrible album, but or soundtrack, but also not her her. artistic album. Music Box also from the '90s album definitely goes, you know, under. Or is it Dream Lover? One of those definitely goes under the radar. Yeah. Um. So yes, you know, Mariah Carey definitely has a few okay albums but she has monstrous records on all of her albums once again i would just never count her out i'll listen to anything she puts out yeah it's you know you know a good song and you can write a good song it's the true po- the power of her pen is the just the power of and her jasmine as well they both yeah. have that that power and something you said earlier what back when we were talking about carrie underwood and rihanna mm-hmm. like and and good songs knowing a song Right, like yeah. Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood gave an interview a couple of years ago that I loved when she, what she said. It was like she was talking about "Blown Away" the album and the yeah. song "Blown Away," uh, and she didn't write "Blown Away" the the mm-hmm. song, but she said 
I'll never turn away a good song. When people write me demos, they're super talented writers out there. Mm -hmm. Why would I like force myself to write all the songs on my way? And I'm like, I love that you're like cool with that. You can write six songs on your album. Not everyone is like Mariah Carey level songwriter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know a good song when you hear it, you take it, take that demo. I feel like in country music, that is like definitely a thing. I feel like in other genres, it might be more important to the artist to Mm -hmm. have right credits. Um, I know those checks last a little longer too when you have a credit. Well, I get it. (laughs) But I feel like in country, that's definitely very accepted for other people to write records for you. So I'm glad that Carrie takes that on full steam because Blown Away is one of her best records. That was a good album. That was. Again. Two Black Flags, please. (laughs) Storytelling. Storyteller, she's such a good storyteller. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Top five. It's just like, girl, you were already tenured to your career and you were giving us like something in the water. Please stop playing with me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> something in the water live, and I've had the pleasure. Yes. I've had the honor of being there when she sings it live. Goodness gracious. Yes, when she transitions to Amazing Grace, I was mm-hmm. like, girl, this is delayed for you. Like, yeah. That's how I was like, girl, we should have been had a CCM project because like Something in the Water is a perfect marriage. Uh, perfect. That, that is literally her brand. And I, you know, I definitely hope that she continues down this lane and just explores it because once again, she got the fan base and she has radio support. Oh, People yeah. that are a decade plus to their career don't even have radio support like Carrie Underwood does. So yeah. I want her to use her, her, her success and her leverage it for good essentially yeah. like use your power for good people did you listen to tori kelly's um foray into the christian contemporary lane i did but i have slight issue which you is do. not really her fault it's, you know it was largely backed by um kirk franklin who mm-hmm. is literally one of the lead voices in the gospel industry so Tori Kelly got nominations in gospel categories and she won. Oh yes, yeah, she won both of them. I am happy she got Grammys. However, I am a little <laughs> annoyed because they were gospel ones. I definitely felt like the project was more CCM, but because by who it was backed by Kirk Franklin, it gets gospel nominations. And I feel like gospel gets like three categories. So the fact okay. she wins two of three or four, I'm like... You know, it just takes away from, I feel like a lot of the other projects, true gospel artists put out that year. And so people like dip and dab at other genres and they get all of the accolades in it. I'm just like, okay. So it's really not her, it's really not her fault. Um, But, you know, it's actually, (laughs) I take more fault with Kirk Franklin than anybody. Um, But yeah, those are just my little general thoughts. It's uh, it's almost a, a sense of gentrification. Like she means so well, she really does. But she is not a gospel artist, and the project was not gospel. Just had a gospel name attached to it. So there's that's how I feel about there's that particular. That. But I do love Tori Kelly. I think she's supremely talented. Another she's one of supremely. Mariah's kids. Yeah, she's incredible. Uh, I mean, nobody's touching her vocally. I mean, a very nobody. few I, people rather. I wish the pop lane worked out for her more, but I think like her her heart was not yeah. like. I think I just think that maybe there were some things she was confronted with in order yeah. to have like success in the pop world that she was just not willing to concede to. That is my theory. Is she still under Scooter Braun? I don't think so. And praise God for that. <laughs> I think people are going to be like, oh, they think he's a devil. I mean, when I see porn, 
when I see horns. Horns and, and, and ash. I mean, what what am I supposed <laughs> to Okay. So, yeah. So, yes, I don't think she's under Scooter anymore. Thank the Lord himself. You Listen, y'all see what Taylor's going through? I'm just like, y'all y'all know the type of person Scooter Braun is. By the way, he's handling the Taylor situation. You already know. You already know. He, that tells me all I need to know. Taylor uh, Swift? Just a Taylor Swift? Girl, bye. Mm-mm. We didn't even touch Taylor Swift because, like, it's no secret that I'm not... Eh. You 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 feel a certain way about we've, Taylor. We've talked honestly, about this. I honestly just don't have many thoughts on 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 Miss Ma'am. I really paid that exactly, much exactly exactly because it's not like I don't eh. like it's just I vanilla. Did. You know, it's just you know, there's different certain things, but the pop, all the pop, all the white pop girls do it when they start dipping and dabbling. They're like, oh, let me get some, let me ratchet it up. <laughs> And then we start seeing door knockers, booty shorts, and quote-unquote twerking. You know, a, a lot of the pop girls have their moments with that. And, you know, I try to just turn a blind eye. <laughs> Anyways, um, she's finally doing the project she was always meant to do. Plastic Rock. Hearts is a good album. It's Plastic solid. Plastic Hearts is a good album. Is it my favorite thing in the world? No. But it's crazy her voice that- sounds good. She she does, but Miley's always had a good voice. That's always yeah. been something. Once again, you can't take away the talent. She's always yeah. good. She's always been able to tell a story very well through song. Um, because the Hannah Montana records were charting on Billboard. Yes, they were. Like, kids were buying those songs. She was like fourteen, and she was buying records then. So I don't really see it for her little sister, but oh, that's just where I stand on Miss Noah. I just don't really see it for her. <laughs> very, very Jamie Lynn to the Britney, if, if that makes sense. It's not realistic. It's just not. It's just not realistic, period. Oh, did you watch Red Table Talk with Olivia Jade? I watched the clips of Gam Gam chewing her up. <laughs> Gam Gam was, she was like, girl, why are you here? Like, it was just so apparent Gam was so tired. Going to be okay. I'm not gonna give you this PR that you're looking for. You're going to be okay, and Olivia Jade will be okay. Like Gam Gam was 100 correct. Gam Gam was fed up. She was, she was not having any part of that at all. Willow was trying to be understanding as always, and <sighs> I think Jade was really trying to facilitate some discussion. But the problem is that there wasn't a discussion to be had, really. Also, if you watched it, like. It just, they, they they barely scratched the surface of what they could have talked about. And I was like, okay, Agreed. well then what was that? Like, what did you get out of that? Yeah, I was just, you know, a little underwhelmed. But I haven't been really deep into Red Table Talk since its first season, so. Right. So as you now, you're out of the page program the mm-hmm. beginning of whatever success you're about to have because you will because you're you thank you what drives you what's your why right now what is pushing you what is motivating you as we head into this new year into this mm-hmm. new chapter of your life honestly just the visions that are swirling around in my head and i need to get them out so mm-hmm. that is truly the biggest driving force it's like i clearly have things that have been gifted to this brain of mine 
people always ask me where I pull inspiration from and I'm like girl the sky like it really comes from thin air sometimes like don't even be having reference points a lot of times but clearly I have been you know blessed with visions creative vision and eye and ear also you know a lot of people don't get both in life so I'm grateful for that um and so I need to get these things out because clearly they're meant to be shared so sharing these these gifts and these visions that I have been given is the motivator and you will and I can't wait to watch 100% 100% I agree I wholeheartedly believe that mm-hmm. look at me accepting compliments <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever is next is going to be even better than what you've done before and you're going to keep agree. you're going to keep going and it's going to be awesome to watch and if you blow up which you will like <sighs> listen listen I'll like be your manager <laughs> like, I'll pay rent like I can live in the mansion Not you know it's rent. a <laughs> The thing is that you won't even need to ride any of the coattails because you'll have your own coat, David. You will have your own coat. Thank you. I received that. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for taking the time. This was so great. It's so good to see you. Yes, me and my bonnet. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad this isn't a visual medium. Yes, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy it's just audio. The angle in which I'm talking to you is also a little <laughs> awkward. So, you know, and also see my multicolored fan and. in my chat room. It's giving fourth grade. So I'm really glad that this is just, you know, audio only. People can feel me. They don't need to see me. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll talk to you later, Nathan. Thank you.